On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing the dynamic team-up of Sylvester Stallone and Dolly Parton in Rhinestone from 1984. Joining us on today's episode is John Roca from the Top 10 Podcast. Welcome back, y'all, to another wonderful episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. I'm Brandon, and as always with me is your rhinestone cowboy co-hoster, Cullen. I hope you're ready to get rhinestoned. <laughs> Cult Cinema Cavalcade is a bi-weekly movie podcast that features Cullen and myself talking about a film considered, but not limited, to being a cult classic. As a disclaimer, each episode will contain plot spoilers and harsh language. Bitch. Today we'll be talking about 1984's Rhinestone. Cullen, can you tell us what Rhinestone is about? A country music star must turn an obnoxious New York cabbie into a singer in order to win a bet. Rhinestone is directed by Bob Clark, with music written by Dolly Parton. The film stars Sylvester Stallone, Dolly Parton, Richard Farnsworth, Tim Thomerson, and Rob Liebman. I'd like to welcome everybody back yonder here to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. And if you're if you're new in town, welcome here to our little cut and slice. <laughs> uh, first off, this episode, we suffered some technical difficulties coming in. So if the audio sounds different than a previous week, uh, we apologize and we know. But hopefully uh, the episode's content is good enough that it doesn't matter. It's called Cinema Cavalcade. We, as mentioned, come out every other Monday. This is our third February episode, and I think this is the first month we've ever had three episodes in. Am I right, Colin? I believe you're correct. The first, and also the strange, because it's the shortest month. I just worked out that way somehow. Thanks to the leap day. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Amy Adams. Thanks, <laughs> Uh, we can be reached via our email, uh, which is mail at callcinemacavalcade.com. We have a Facebook page where you're more than welcome to post on our wall or message us. And we're on Twitter, which is quite a riot, if you ask me. It's, uh, it's the most electrifying Twitter feed ever, so just, just be forewarned. Yes. And you can listen to our website as well as comment on our website, cultcinematicavalcade.com, and on iTunes, where you should leave us a five-star review. We don't accept anything less. That's right. Get out of here, four and a half. Our favorite chili is gold. Is it gold star or five? Whatever. Five stars. Give us five stars, please. We're here with our uh, post-Oscars episode, I suppose. We'll, we'll drop the day after the Oscars. And uh, we wanted to celebrate one of the nominees, hopefully winner, if you ask me, 
hopefully winner, with uh, his least favorite film he's ever done. It's Sylvester Stallone, and we're doing Rhinestone. Keep in mind, this is his least favorite movie, not what, The Italian Stallion, not Judge Dredd. Hey, not... Italian Stallion was done to make ends meet. I yes. can understand that. Yes, uh, and that's fine. But if, if he calls this like his least favorite, like that, that holds some weight. He, he was asked what film, if he could go back and not do, would it be? And he mentioned, he said, Rhinestone, like instant. Yeah, not Cliffhanger, Rhinestone. Well, not Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, Rhinestone. There we go. So we're not alone on this podcast. Uh, we have a special guest. He's the one, the only from the top 10 podcast, John Roca. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me on, Brandon and Colin. Thanks so much. Johnny, I go back a ways. Yeah. Do you want to you wanna tell us about Top 10 Podcasts at all or anything else? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's one of the podcasts I host. It's on the Schmozno YouTube Podcast Network. Uh, we just recently merged with Collider. So now we are under the Collider umbrella along with the Schmozno. And it's uh, by, I, co-ho- I co-host it with my friend Matt Nost, who's a stand-up in L.A. And we count down the Top 10 Films of whatever topic we feel like uh, tackling that week. And it usually has to do with a film that's being released that week. So, for example, like when Hell Caesar came out, we did the top 10 Coen Brothers films. And so we do those. And this, the last two uh, weeks have been Oscar-related. So we had Scott Mance, Access Hollywood, Scott Mance on as a guest last week, or this past week, and we counted the top 10 Best Picture winners. And then... We had Screen Junkies How Rudnick on last two weeks ago to talk about best picture snubs. So just stuff like that. And it's fun. It's one of the one of the podcasts I, I uh, co-host or host. That's pretty awesome, man. We have you on for, for our sure. Oscar related <laughs> podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Different caliber. Yeah. yeah there was no snubbing of... here with Rhinestone. I can <laughs> guarantee that. <laughs> Feels more like a Razzie podcast, yeah. yes, I understand. <laughs> but but you know, with Stallone being up for Best Supporting Actor, yeah. uh, we'd uh, yeah. go back to um, his, his. I think his least favorite film he's ever done. Yeah, probably. Like that worst stop that Judge my Dredd. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that probably is the worst one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, this one's directed by the Bob Clark Christmas Story, Bob Clark Black Christmas, Bob Clark. I mean, he's done uh, plenty of other stuff, uh, well-known director, but this was, mm-hmm. yeah, based off of the song, Ryan Stone. A song, yeah. Like, yeah. I, There's I, not too many movies that are going to be successful when it's based off of something that isn't a story. Because Rhinestone Cowboy isn't, it doesn't even tell a story. It's just kind no. of a, a like a list of things about this person. That's not yeah. a story. Yeah, it's like a ca- capturing a moment in his life. That's what basically the, the, the song is. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe it's like the that was where the first time that maybe Bob Clark heard the word rhinestone. So he's like, well, I better give it credit. <laughs> and by, by the way, I know this movie is called Rhinestone, but there is there any movie that says rhinestone more in it than this? No, <laughs> probably not. And how, dis- like, how disappointing is it? Like, uh, you know, I know the movie's called Rhinestone and then they show, hey, based off the song Rhinestone Cowboy yeah. and then. When Rhinestone Cowboy plays, it's like very early in the movie and very in the background. Like you might yeah. catch, be like, "Oh, is that Rhinestone Cowboy?" 
it's more of a like a cameo by a rhinestone cowboy than anything. We'll get to the yeah. end, but I was so disappointed that Stallone was not up winning over the audience with rhinestone cowboy. <laughs> I would have crapped my pants if he would have busted out rhinestone cowboy. That's where I thought it might be leading when it said based off the song rhinestone cowboy. I was like, oh, okay, but no, yeah. So. No, and, and Cullen is right when he says bust it out, because that's basically how Stallone sang every single song in this movie. Oh, man. <laughs> he wasn't so much singing as he was just belligerently yelling. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's the word. That's absolutely the right description. <laughs> it looked He looked like he was killing it on, like, karaoke night at, like, the local tavern. Like, I mean, yeah. that's... If any any role his brother should have had over him. Oh my lord! <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching it. They got the wrong Stallone. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. The only time they'll ever be said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's let's uh, let's drop right into this. We start with the shots of New York, you know, typical New York things, and uh, some Dolly Parton yodeling. Yes. As uh, we uh, see her in a club. And or we first go outside this club, and a, a nice car pulls up, and uh, the guy Freddie Hugo pulls. Hey, can, I, can, I, can I tell you how excited I was that when he pulled up, someone said, "Oh, hello, Mister Hugo or Hugo." I thought, "Oh my God, we've got a character name." Starting like three minutes in, we already know someone's name. I was like already excited. But yeah, and he uh, gets out the car, and the guy says, uh, "Hey, good evening, Mister Hugo," and he says, "Every." Always a good evening when you're rich. So yeah, we yeah. love this guy right away. I'm sure. Right off the bat, right off the. And it's it's uh, Ron Liebman. Yes. Who's one mm. of my favorite character actors from the '80s and uh, '70s. Um, his Alcalde in Zorro the Gay Blade is still one of my favorite characters ever seen. That's a classic. It really is. So to see him in this film, I was. He is the best part of the movie, to be honest with you. Yeah, Everyone else is mm. absolutely horrible, and he's the best part of the movie, even though he's a despicable oh, character. Yeah, he's just horrible, yeah. but he's living it up. I mean, he's, Yeah, he really is. Cause, yeah, because right after this, he goes into the bar and just begins harassing women. Yeah, I mean, yes. it, it just <laughs> lets you know what the 80s was like. Like, it was okay to openly harass people on screen. And yeah. Dolly Parton's up there singing, and he's just, like, making gross faces at her. It's yeah. Yes. And this movie should have been called, like, Rhinestone, or if you can't make that guy a star singer, you have to fuck me. That's the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's great the premise for a movie. Yeah. And it's a great... I, I, th I think Citizen Kane... This was the original premise of Citizen Kane, yes. and they changed it. And they changed it. You can't figure <laughs> out what Rosebud is. You have to fuck me. <laughs> there was this, like this, the newspaper stuff, that was going to be a subplot, but they kind of brought it into the forefront. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> You know, maybe it was the right decision. Who was to say, you know, whatever. Right. <laughs> so so this place is called Rhinestone, and it's full of, like, a rowdy crowd that uh, miraculously never changes. It's always the same people in the same place. <laughs> yeah. Yes. With the party streamer or whatever that's <laughs> yes. crowd, that, that, that thing that he blows all the time. Oh, God, yeah. Who let that in? Party whistle? Like, I don't know the what the party whistle, was. yeah. Yeah. Is it New Year's almost, or what? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Only... It's, the only thing you see that is New Year's or when someone's just an irritating ass. Yeah. So, and uh, then we, we cut to the streets where some very uh, typical 80s tourist Asian folk are looking yep. for yes. a ride. And uh, our cabbie, Nick, played by Sylvester Stallone, picks them up. 
Now, did the tourists have cameras around their necks? I don't remember if they did. I can assume uh, they did. Yes. It was the 80s. They did? Okay, <laughs> yes. good. He, I just want to make sure they have all the stereotypes yeah, in this I movie. Think so. He did, but not the wife or the what I assume is the grandmother. Well, women or a mother. <laughs> women can't be trusted to use technical things, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, uh. so Stallone is pretty much Rocky Balboa here. Street, street He's wise. dumber. He's dumber, He's dumber. Balboa. And you can yeah. just, I mean, from the minute Stallone starts talking, you can tell he ripped into this movie, grabbed the script, and said, nope, these are my lines. Yeah. Or, or co-written by Stallone. Or he changed his lines to sly talks. Like, that's... <laughs> Some, he, that, he just babbles on in this like crazy. It's like what? What the fuck's he even saying? Yeah. Like, is that how he got the co-writing credit? He just like chucked it out, and just because like, yeah, so much of his writer, dialogue is in there, he got credit for it. The writer was so pissed at him that he almost took his name off the film, but then decided that so, that a film of this clout might be good for him. <laughs> a, a movie so excellent that the DVD doesn't even have a menu. Yes, it doesn't. It's a screener. Like, it, it just starts. Like, there's the FBI warning. There's, like, the Anchor Bay thing at the beginning. And then the movie just starts. I, oh, tried, to, I tried to find a menu. It said no. No operations. There's no audio options. It's, <laughs> That's right. The special feature is movie. I'm surprised you can pause. <laughs> in, in defense of that writer, this was, like, Dolly Parton was huge. Back then, and then yes. you know they had nine to five, and Sloan was coming off First Blood, yeah. right? So this is one of the most nineteen eighties things ever made. Like the right. only thing it's missing is like Hulk Hogan and Mister T. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty close. But yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. someone it, said these two, and let's put them together, and or this was like a Dolly Parton vehicle, and they just picked whatever guy was. They just needed a, a name along with Dolly Parton, who was already a name. Yeah, I mean, the music, all the music was written by Dolly Parton for this, so this is obviously yeah. big time. Yeah, the music is, the music's fine. That stuff is, if you like country music, good news, it's fine. But right. the the rest of the writing, uh, something to be desired, is the nice way to put it. <laughs> all right. So, Nick, yeah, Nick is the driver from hell. It makes New York look extra dangerous. I know 80s New York in movies always look dangerous, but, man, him driving. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it's it's basically like uh, like Crazy Taxi. Like I think that's the inspiration yes. for that <laughs> game was this movie. Dolly, whose character name is Jake, uh, gets done singing, and the Freddy guy just continues harassing her. And in the background, this is the only time we hear Rhinestone Cowboy play. Hugo brags to her about his new star that he's got coming out, and you gotta check out him. During this, Nick continues to drive like crazy. And the writers, he tells them, talks them out of sushi. Sushi, huh? I'll tell you, you know, sushi's a growing thing. I see these sushi bars cropping up here, cropping up there, oh, everywhere. But, you know, confidentially between you and me, I mean, do you think that eating raw fish is all that good for you? To me, it's like walking across some field and chewing on a cow, you know what I mean? Besides, you're in America now. You got to eat Italian. So they decide they want to go to a cowboy place, and he knows just the place. Right. And at said cowboy place, Hugo announces his new act, which he apparently says the same thing every time he brings someone out, because the whole bar, including the guy with the streamer thing, recites what he's saying. And then this cowboy, this 
dark cowboy with a scar in his face comes out. Very angry cowboy. Very angry. Like, he heckles them, or they heckle him, and he starts talking back, and then he, like, bends the microphone stand. Yeah. And then one of the people in the audience goes, like, oh, man, this guy's for real. <laughs> yeah. And then he sings, he starts singing his song, and then it gets, like, the lyrics get, like, talk about brains getting chopped up in a tractor, and everybody starts laughing. He has the audience. Yes. And the first verse of the song. Right, yeah. And then and then he loses them because his the love that he's talking about gets her dress caught on a tractor and then gets her brain sprayed all over the bales of hay. And you're like, what, this is, is this a Dario Argento film? Or is this, <laughs> like, what, what are we, like, what are we singing about here? Well, you know? I also don't understand why they start making fun of him. Like, cause it's not like the song, it like it gets whimsical or goofy. It's about <laughs> a woman getting ripped in apart by a tractor yeah. and they start <laughs> laughing at it. <laughs> like, like I know it's 1980s New York, but how cynical are these monsters? <laughs> I mean, the minute that Freddie says he's going to make it to the end, he nosedives with his song. Right. Completely nosedives. So he gets booed off stage. He cries and tells them that, uh, you know, that really happened to my baby. But the audience, this audience doesn't care at all. We, we know that they're, uh, they're awful people even before he comes out because... When Dolly Parton leaves the, the stage, she says, oh, we're going to have a new act out here. The, the crowd starts chanting meat. <laughs> yeah. Well, like a, like, a, a like, people, a, like a gladiatorial exhibition. A lot of people think Urban Cowboy was how it was. But no, Rhinestone is really how it was. <laughs> you know, I, w- I was thinking, like, <laughs> what a double feature Rhinestone and Urban Cowboy would be. Right. Do we have uh, Urban Cowboy to blame for Rhinestone? Right. Yes. Yeah. I think so. I think so. God damn it, uh, Travolta. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to punch him right in his face next time I see him. <laughs> I love how Deborah Winger escapes your anger, but Travolta <laughs> is your vocal point. Well, time took its toll on Deborah Winger. So. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> there it is. Well, it's not like Stallone looks pretty. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All that plastic surgery and uh, roids from another country, they do a damage on you, man. <laughs> you know, was, I want to say one thing. It was fascinating to watch, because uh, this is the first time I've ever seen the film was today for this podcast. And I've I, I'd never, I'd avoided this for years because I'm a huge Stallone fan. But as I was watching it, and as I was watching the most insanely tone-deaf decisions by him as an actor uh, in moments I was thinking to myself, this is a guy now that is so revered, so loved that people like got emotional that he won a Golden Globe for Rocky or for Creed and might win the Oscar this Sunday. And it's fascinating to go back and look. And I was thinking to myself, like, this, it's, that's amazing. You, if you just hang in there long enough, you never know what can happen. All your past mistakes get forgiven in Hollywood. It's amazing. Yeah. We've well, made a lot of mistakes even outside of, of Rhinestone. But I mean, um, I think he's made enough good choices that have, you know, over, well, not over, but they've compensated for the bat, for, for Rhinestone and other stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, here you can see he's at like one of his ego peaks where, you know, he had clout. He had like Rocky Three and 
he's yeah, he's very Rocky Three Stallone there yeah. with you know getting ready for Rambo, Rambo yeah. Two and stuff. But like yeah, it's you can tell it's an ego trip with him in this movie. Like you know, I I think at every point he feels he's bigger than this film, or this film. Yes. Well, this film is. this film owes it to him. Like that's kind of what it feels like. <laughs> It's too bad he didn't have enough clout to get Frank Stallone on the soundtrack, but right. we can't win every battle, unfortunately. Frank, you put the mic down. I got this first. Oh, God. <laughs> so, uh, Jake, Dolly, she wants out of her contract with Freddy, and she mentions that she could turn anyone into a round, rhinestone cowboy. So they make a bet where she gets two weeks, and the guy only has to perform one song to approval at the rhinestone and if she wins he'll tear up her contract if she loses she has to do a five-year extension and sleep with him yeah. seems That's... highly suspect <laughs> I, I don't know. know if that would stand up in court i was yeah. just gonna say that i want to know what court would enforce that <laughs> your honor she agreed to have sex with him it isn't that prostitution not in a contract it's fine <laughs> and, it, and it's worth noting with dolly parton in this movie who's for all intents and purposes purpose is the only real female in this movie yes it's, it's, a, it's a dude yeah. dude fest but everybody who's acting with her's eyes drop whether it's meant to be happening in the scene or just unintentional like if you watch oh, every yeah. male actor in this movie their eyes look at her boobs at least a few times a scene yes I'm sure, I, I'm sure that Dolly Parton's chest was on the like the marquee as well when this was like playing in theaters with how much attention that her chest gets like it's like literally not just like um, looking at them, but they're also mentioned in almost every scene she's in. Like the first time she meets anyone, it's like, wow, look at her cans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I mean, back in the yeah, 80s, too, and 90s, like when you refer to someone with big poobs, you were always thinking like Dolly Parton. Yeah, sure. Parton. Yeah. It's like it was just a thing. Like, I, I mean, as offensive as it sounds, but that that's how we you know, refer to them. Like, oh, Dolly Parton. Yeah. Says, you know, it was like, yeah. and she, it's not like she, she sold them. Like, yeah. Wait, yeah, she, yeah. She, was doing. she knew what she yeah, was doing. Were, there's a one scene later in the movie when they're in, uh, in Tennessee where she's wearing like this dress where it's, uh, you might even know what I'm talking about where, um, she's at the, the, the bar and it's like this blue low cut thing yeah, where it's like yeah. up the shoulders and stuff. And as I was watching it, I I actually said like Jesus, because it was just like like at any given moment, like they, they were just going to come out. It was it was ridiculous. Like I mean, I, I wasn't upset, mind you, but I was surprised. <laughs> yeah, and it's fascinating throughout the film how many incredibly overt sexual references or jokes are made in casual conversation. Right. Yeah. You know. When they're at Stallone's house or apartment, and they keep talking about his organ, his large organ, I'm just like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on here, man? I, I mean, I literally was like, how many ways are they going to make this reference to his large organ? Like, it's just fascinating to me. And it's how like, no one... speed, too. It's like, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, and none of them were funny. They were like, we get no. it. I, yeah. like, um, Stallone can write many things. Comedy is not one of them. <laughs> they go out to the street, Jake and Hugo, and they, he keeps picking up homeless people for her to turn into the, the country star. And she's, she's, no, no. She said the next normal person that passes in front of her face 
Then uh, well, she'll do, and then here comes Nick in the cab on cue, which maybe not on cue because she kept dragging that line out. Like the next normal person that passes from my face comes right here in front of my face, and then, <laughs> and then ah! he, he came around and he was all Stallone like. Like, yeah, how's it going? Need a lift? Here you it, go. He gets in a wreck, which apparently was caused by staring at Dolly Parton. Asian... Wasn't that the basis for a Seinfeld episode? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it wasn't Dolly Parton, but still. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, the people he's taking leave, and he's like, no charge, but uh, tip is optional. And Dolly Parton says, where are all the lepers when I need one? Oh, God. The, yeah, hit, but... the hit catchphrase of the 1980s. <laughs> She kept going on about like like I think like every time they uh, brought up trying to find someone, she said no lepers. Like how many lepers are in New York, Dolly Parton? Yeah, right. Some of that excellent comedic uh, styling of uh, Sylvester Stallone, I believe. Right. So they take Nick into the club and lay the stakes down, and they're drinking some champagne. But Stallone drinks a Lone Star in a champagne glass because he's a working Speaking man. Speaking of urban cowboy. <laughs> shared connection and then uh he mentions that he can't stand that hillbilly hick stuff and he hits on uh jake because of course and because look at her i yeah. guess she's not having it so he leaves and freddie says hey i won let's do this and she says no 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 i got two weeks got two weeks keep that boner in your pants so <laughs> the next day she goes um you know, as incognito as possible in the loudest outfit to the cab station. <laughs> what is that? Like, what? Like her, you know, in every scene, her hair is like a almost a foot off her head. And then she's wearing a cowboy hat, like on top. Well, it's not even on top of it. She can't rest it on top of her head. She has yeah. to wear the uh, the cowboy hat like a Texas yarmulke is what, how she has to wear it. It's like the <laughs> crown of her head. It's, yeah, it's it's. It's just an insane outfit that, like, it, it rivals Drinkenstein's outfit. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, just in the movie. Lord. Oh, we'll get to that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm sure. I'm going to save my vitriol for when we get yeah. to Drinkenstein. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick shows up with his cab, and he gets fired for having it wrecked. And Jake uh, follows him to the street, which he calls her a hillbilly bimbo. And yep. he oh. just spouts every, like, stereotypical, like, country slam in the book. That it's like so boring. So, like, oh yeah, you hick, you country bimbo. You, it just rifles them off. Yeah, short of like saying that that she sleeps with the relatives, I think he hits about everything else. Yes, like you hee haw, motherfucker. Like you didn't say that, but he he mentioned hee haw. Mentioned hee haw. Like it's like okay, yeah, yeah as tired as possible. Um, then for, they go to uh, she convinces him that if he does this, we can get your cab repaired. And put that on the list of the the deal right next to taking it from Freddie. And Freddie lives in Trump Tower or has yeah. office there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently, apparently Freddie makes a lot of money being a manager of some terrible acts. Right. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know those people at the rhinestone make slave wages. There's no way they're paid well because he doesn't treat them yeah. well. No. They uh, start negotiating the the whole process, the deal, and Nick changes it to wanting his own cab because he puts he says the repairs were on Jake's part of the deal. And then Freddie asks him what he thinks of country. He's like, worse than liver. <laughs> yeah, when Nick said that he wanted his own taxi, 
I had to uh, back it up about three or four times to actually understand what he said. I kept, uh, I thought he kept saying Tyrak. I want my own Tyrak. <laughs> like, why? What? Like, why is that the condition, Nick? Like, I finally put it together. Like, oh, taxi, because that's his job. I get it, Rhinestone. You clever <laughs> bit of script. Well, Nick uh, decides he's going to take Jake to his place, which is above a funeral parlor. Yes. And this is this is where we get all the, the organ talk. And she plays right into it, too. She's like, I want to go there, and you pull the big organ out of your pants. And it's like, no, it's my organ organ. And then, yeah. And then we all die a little inside from the complete comedy vacuum that happens. Well, I, I think what, you know... Happening here, not not him talking about his organ, but maybe the actually genuinely most funny thing in the movie happens when he plays the organ and screeches out a tune to sing, and then they look down and there's a, a funeral happening downstairs. Yes. All looking up at him. I was like, okay, that's genuinely pretty funny. <laughs> I, I think I laughed, but that was just because I was just so happy to see something that actually resembled a joke. That's not, yeah. <laughs> so, Instead of like, well, we think it's funny, right? Yeah. <laughs> and apparently his parents are the people that run the place and yes. he introduces Jake to her uh, to them and they have dinner uh, discussing and, and talking about taking him to Tennessee to train wait hold on a second Brandon Oh, they have spaghetti dinner spaghetti that's dinner Italians yes. eat. that's all Italians will spaghetti eat spaghetti and cal- calzones it's spaghetti and calzones yeah 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 they had <laughs> all they had a, over the place they had at least five plates of pasta like five yeah. big plates of pasta, and there were like four people eating. <laughs> and she even mentions it. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, you know, Italian. Y'all eat like this every day. You can yeah. feed a whole town on this. Yeah, and of course, uh, um, Nick's father, uh, just, just, just—he's just disgusting the way he treats Dolly <laughs> Parton. He's a silent version of Freddie Hugo. Yes, yeah. he is. He is dis- this isn't even the worst. No, no, no it, it isn't. Like, I, like, like, um, just looking at his dad. Like, I was just waiting for him to pull his dick out because it was, it was a step away from that. <laughs> like, like him just like 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 slapping it down, or, like or, it, like in the pasta. Her being like, "Is your father jerking off at the table?" Yeah, just let him go. Just, it's, just let it go. That's what Italians do. <laughs> it's New York. It's New York. What are you talking about? It's all New York. Well, you're sensitive now. Yeah, it's, it was. Uh, it was. I mean, it was. It was fascinating to watch how they even like. It's just the thing about the movie is you see all the cliches, all the tropes, and then you marvel at how they absolutely blow it. Like yeah. absolutely blow it. We've seen the dad and mom, the older dad and mom with their, you know, with the woman and the kid and the their son and all that kind of jazz at a dinner and then but this was a whole nother because the mom is like essentially killing his self-esteem while they're sitting there. The yes. dad is hitting on Dolly Parton the whole time. <laughs> and then immediately the dad's like are you are you going to get with her? Are you going to get with her? It was just really like just so strange how tone deaf they were throughout yeah. these built-in things that usually work in films like this. Yeah. yeah. Scenes, built-in scenes. Yeah. Well, it's it just like like paint-by-numbers comedy. Like, this goes here, because that's what's funny when you put it there. Right. 
Yeah, yeah they were doing it, but they didn't understand why they were doing it at all. Yes, it was like, yes. yes. It's it's like a CBS sitcom. Like this goes here at this point, and then that's when the laugh happens. Uh, and then, so, so she promises the his parents that she's gonna feed him pizza every day. Because he's Cause, Italian. Because he's Italian. Little slice of New York. Get it? Bright <laughs> stone, right, guys? Golly. Because when he gets he gets down to Tennessee, they're gonna be like, "Where is he from?" New York City. <laughs> I, I honestly was expecting that. Like any time they saw him, he's like, "I'm from New York," and I, I was waiting for that, but it never happened. So you 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 missed out, Einstone. You missed out. Come on, Bob Clark. So they go to Tennessee, and they immediately go meet. There's some hicks. They're just you know scratching off some sharpening some wood. They say they're making a piano, and Jake talks to him and. They uh, they comment after Jake and uh, <clears throat> Jake and Nick leave that they they find him slow witted, that fella. Because right. you wouldn't expect them to say that. Yes. Huh? And Comedy. <laughs> because the New York guy shouldn't be slow witted, right? You know. <laughs> He's out of his element. <laughs> uh, and then Jake's dad pulls up to pick them up, and he also finds Jake to be slow witted. And that's because, that joke dies. I thought it was going to keep going. Yeah. Well, they need one more. That's always a rule of threes, right? Yeah. Well, Rhinestone breaks all the rules. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love that Stallone, for no reason at all, does the stupidest handshake in the history of handshakes. Yeah, what was uh, that? Yeah. And Stallone it, was like, this would be funny. This would be funny, guys. Yeah. And, no, yeah. and everybody's like, Bob Clark's like, please, no. And then the studio exec's like, he kind of owns this movie now. Let yeah, and poor uh, Richard Farnsworth is like, you know, I'm a, such a far away. I'm so far away from the natural right now. Right. I don't know what to do. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> Dolly Parton and Stallone? Yeah, I'll take <laughs> yeah, it. Sign don't me need up. the script. Don't need the script. <laughs> don't need the script. I'm sure the handshake scene was like, one. he's like, oh, no. <laughs> what have I agreed to do? <laughs> it would be something to see Stallone on the set of this when they were shooting, right? Oh, there has to be some behind-the-scenes I mean, somewhere. Uh, yeah. Just, just... I'm sure he was only there for his scenes. You know, I'm sure he was like, all right, we done? Okay, great. And he was out. Yeah. I got a Planet Hollywood to open. Yeah. <laughs> I got I to gotta create Planet Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, I got to create Planet That's right. That's right. I got a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, Jake's dad has a band that they uh, play. Of course he does. To, to Nick, who's sitting there rolling his eyes at it, because he don't like country yet. No. no. He's not converted yet. Jake's dad then asks if she's uh, shacking up with Nick, because dad's got to look out for her. And she then has Nick sing in front of everyone, and he comes up and sings, like, what the f- What is yeah. it? It's just like, blah, 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 blah. and right. like women, children, and animals like scram from town. During this, like it's just because yeah, even the farm animals don't like the way he sings, but they're just <laughs> animals. They don't know music. What is it singing? <laughs> <laughs> he just starts coming up and making sounds, and I'm like, what? Yeah, like he, like he starts to sing. Um, what, did he sing like Great Balls of? No, he started to sing Old MacDonald after this. He started oh, okay. preaching shit, and then he sang yeah. Old MacDonald, and yeah. then the dad says, "Country, you ain't." Uh, right. And, and then um, I'm not sure if it was right then, but I know in this scene, 
like after the animals run away and all that, like Dolly laughs because it's supposed to be funny. And then she says, why don't you tell me how you really feel? (laughs) She says one of the most hackneyed things ever said. I don't know, like if this was, was this in the early days of that phrase? Or do you or do you think that we have rhinestone to blame for that for that <laughs> sentence? Or oh. you want to give rhinestone credit for something? <laughs> well, I, I I want to put as much blame for society's woes as possible on rhinestone. So if we can, then yes. All right, listeners, if you uh, know where that phrase started and it wasn't rhinestone, please let us know. <laughs> or else we're gonna go on Wikipedia and say rhinestone. That's right. This came out in 1984. So if you can find an earlier version of, you know, why don't you tell me how you really feel? Let us know. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you skipped over a thing real quick, Brandon. When okay. uh, the fact that her, her dad, after calling Stallone slow-witted, is immediately like, you want to marry this guy? Because apparently yes! just marrying her off is the goal. It's not to find the right person for her. It's not to find, like, a genuine connection. It's marrying her off that matters. Because yeah. she mentions, like, well, the last time you hooked me with some guy, it was Barnett. Yeah, Barnett. Yes. And also, what what's the age difference, do you think, between Dolly Parton and Stallone? Oh, that's, you, it's Colin, I was, that, I was, that was occurring to me the whole time I was watching the movie. I was like, this yeah. seems, this seems inadequate in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean yeah, she has a large chest. However, same age. <laughs> like, in real life, they're the same age. Wow. Oh, really? Yep. No crap. I thought she was like maybe She's like older four. by like six months, six or seven months. See, wow. I thought I thought she was like forty at this point, and I thought like Stallone was like in his late twenties, maybe. That's what I thought because I have no gauge of time. Apparently, I'm face blind, but that's what I thought. <laughs> uh, Stallone was thirty-eight. They're both thirty-eight during this. Oh shit! Yeah. Wow. So, so I was like, right about just kind of a late bloomer to his stardom. So. Yeah, yeah, so I was I was right about Dolly, I guess, but huh, I'll be damned. Yep, that's... I was off by ten years for Stallone. Yeah, it looked good. Well, she just has like so much makeup on her face the whole movie that you know. Well, that's what I thought that she was just covering up. You know, I mean, she's not. She's you know, she's thirty nine. She's not old, but I mean, right. she was just you know just just you know plastering it on just to cover up an age difference. Is maybe what I thought. I didn't realize like they were the same age. That's I that. Wow. Yeah, I agree with you. It, she radiated older, and it may just be that, you know, because he was playing a younger, kind, the younger kind of type, more energetic character, but, and she was his guide to the whole movie. It may have, but no, there was just something about their energies, you know, that she radiated older than he was. Like, she almost seemed exhausted that she, she really, it felt like she was just dialing this thing the whole, dialing this thing in the whole time. Well, it looked like and, she was, she was like, he, she was like, I'm not, Getting baited into acting as crazy as you, yeah, like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. like she has her self-respect, and <laughs> she's gonna keep yeah. it. As long no as I get what. some solo scenes of me just playing, now I'll be happy with this movie. <laughs> so they uh, then uh, to make Nick more country, he rides a cow and chops wood and pets a horse. <laughs> Part of his training. That'll do it because. He has to be country in order to sing country. Totally. And there's like a hoedown that night, and he gets to play a washboard and spoons. <laughs> like it's, uh, okay, what's more country than that? Yes. And then at dinner, 
uh, Jake tries uh, to teach him country jokes because I guess on stage they need to hee haw it up with like little jokes between things and they got to be country. Right. So those rhinestone people don't want city folk jokes. They went picking and grinning. And picking and grinning. And they get in an argument over putting butter or gravy on a biscuit. And Jake calls. This is in the Rocky verse. We know this is a no no. She calls Nick a bum. Yeah. Mm. Bum. But, and that's I, just it. That must be like the one thing Stallone does not like being called in life. Because if you look at his movies, the Rocky ones in particular, that's like the biggest insult you can do to someone. Oh, yeah. Who's called a bum. Was, uh, was Rambo called a bum in First Blood? Maybe in the police station early on. I don't know. I'm not sure. I was sure. going to say, because like, that's one of the situations where it's actually like, okay, well, he seems to be homeless. So in that situation, like, it seems like more apropos to perhaps call him a bum. Although not yeah. polite, it makes a bit more sense. Yeah, that's a good point. I wouldn't put it past uh, David Caruso to call him a bum at some point in the, in the film. There you in go, First yeah. Blood. Well, he calls everyone a bum, to be fair. That's right. That's right. Did Nick Storms off? And he, he's outside, and the truck stops, and he's like, oh, I'm going to get a ride. And it's just really creepy, dude. And that is why the it, scene's in the movie, I don't know. Yes, because it <laughs> goes absolutely nowhere. At first, it was like it felt like the, um, the large Marge scene from Pee-wee's Big Adventure, where it's just some creepy person pulling over. But then it's like, no, oh, it's over. Never mind. Like, oh, okay. Thanks, movie. Yeah, just a weird scene. And Jake then goes to the cut and slice. The big bar in town where people perform. And Barnett Kale, played by Tim Thomerson of Trancers fame. Yeah. I, uh, I like those Trancers movies, so I was happy to see Tim Thomerson. <laughs> He's, uh, if, if Freddie Hugo is like the best in the movie, I think he, Tim Thomerson's a little bit of a second place. Yeah, I would agree yes. with that. He, mm-hmm. I mean, he's meant to be corny and hammy, and he's also, you know, a guy you like to hate, too. He gets that, get that in there. Yeah. yeah, like eventually, at first you're like, "Is this guy a dick or do I like him?" And then it turns like, "Oh no, he is a dick." Okay, okay, good job, movie. Keep going. So when when Stallone walks in, he walks up to the bar and he orders a beer, right? Right. And sitting next to him is a guy. I don't know if anyone else noticed this, but I, I, I thought it was strange. The guy's sitting there. He has a beer in front of him, and he picks up a salt shaker. And he put salt in his beer. Did you guys see that? Or... I've seen people do that. Oh before, yeah, though, yeah, yeah, yeah. In real, like in real life, I don't understand it, but I've seen people put salt in beers before. I have never heard or seen that before. <laughs> it, like, like, it was so strange to me. I assume they're drinking like I. I know they're drinking Budweiser, but that's a you know we'll get to that in a moment. But I don't like. Does that help the flavor? Does it actually give it flavor? I, I don't understand. It why probably. Would do that. It's probably something like to get the foam down. Oh, people okay. Might, people might do that, and it doesn't change the flavor too much. I, I, I don't know, but I, I have seen people. I've never asked somebody why they pour salt in a beer, but I, I have seen that before. <laughs> hey, let me ask you a question. Why do you want to make your beer taste worse? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Barn, uh, when Barnett's done, he comes and sits by Nick at the bar, and he gets a glass full of foam. And he goes, "I like my beer real foamy." You know what I mean? And I don't know what he means. No. <laughs> it's like, Not well, at all. Clearly, clearly you do. I, I can see the, the glass in front of you. It's like three-fourths foam. Yeah. And, and uh, Nick then tells him. Oh, Knoxville. New York. You know, pizza, discos, room service. <laughs> 
New York. Hey, y'all. This man's from New York. <laughs> I want to keep it down. I'm kind of incognito. I don't want to draw any attention to myself. <laughs> yeah, that's all there is in New York. That's it. Yeah, pizza discos. And rhinestone. And rhinestone. Rhinestone. <laughs> rhinestone. Uh, studio Studio Fifty Four and uh, uh, Paul's Famous <laughs> Paul's Famous Pizza. That's yeah. all there is. So it's, it's New York, man. <laughs> yes, yeah, New York. You got the Knickerbockers, you know. <laughs> you go eat, get the pizza, watch the Knicks, and uh, go to the disco. She get a hot dog at Coney Island. It's fucking New York. <laughs> and this is '84. Like disco was dead, dead. right? Like yes. disco was dead. <laughs> I think that was like the was that. Was that the official? You know, it's 82. I think that was the official death of disco. Yeah. Uh, I was like, what? Disco? They're still calling it disco? Uh, like, I'm sure, like, the rhinestone, like, used to be a disco. I'm sure that's what happened. Uh, right. Uh, right. That's probably right. We need to spin this shit country real fast. Like all the di- like, like, all the discos turned into country bars and, like, stand-up clubs. Like, that, right. you know, it's like all it was. <laughs> and, and, like, porn theaters, let's be honest. <laughs> Forty yeah. Second Street forever. <laughs> so Barnett then asks him about the mafia and about doing heroin, and they just start laughing it up with each other. And the next thing you know, Nick wakes up one morning amongst ducks in the mud, and he calls them Daffy and the boys. Daffy and the boys. <laughs> they're ducks. <laughs> Daffy Duck is a duck, and he's around ducks. Oh man. <laughs> Damn, that's good. Oh, mm. I'm gonna steal that. Uh, then Jake wakes him up and he tells her all about his debaucherous night, and then reveals it's Barnett, and she goes ape shit. Yes, yeah. she's tearing shit up in the house. Tear like going nuts, and Dad's like, oh, "Well, it's a Barnett." <laughs> I just love, I just love that it's the typical '80s off-camera stereo, um, off-camera sound of. Yeah, tearing shit up. There's like, bro- yeah, yeah. You can hear the broken plates. You can hear the utensils flying and the cups going everywhere. And you're just like, yeah, I don't. What? This is so ridiculous. All and within moments, so... her father has cleaned it all up like it never yep. happened. Like it never. And bought new plates. Well, it would have been great if he would have said, "Can you not destroy my house?" Hey, you are just visiting, Missy. Right. I know you make that New York money, but I gotta live here after you leave. Right. I don't know. What, I don't think I have a job. I mean, apparently I spend my day looking at hog balls, but other than yeah. that, I don't really know how I spend my time. After that, Nick cleans up and apologizes, and she tells him that her and Barnett used to sing together, and and she gives him a little bit of their history, and then Nick tells her it wouldn't have happened had she not called him a bum. A and bum. Talks about how his life is kind of a bummer. Yeah, that's yeah. where they actually they actually you know bond that the, the, the screenwriters speech by still <laughs> yeah but, like this yeah. is bad That's... but they actually make an attempt you know to actually form a bond with them not just be like in the same movie it's like well he's a man and she's a woman and they spend time together so they fall for each other right like at least in this scene they make an attempt for them to actually bond and you know to make her understand where he's coming from while. He is trying to understand where she like comes from, the country. Yeah. And then immediately after Cullen compliments the movie, Drinkenstein happened. Budweiser, you green. 
created a monster and they call him Frankenstein. And the tavern down the street is the laboratory where he makes the transformation all the time. And a shine of Dr. Bud is a pint of monster blood. And it does affect me different every time. But Wather, you created a monster, and they call me Frankenstein. And they call me Frankenstein. Yeah, I'm Frankenstein. I'm drinking Steiner. I'm drinking. <laughs> wow. Okay. So this is the like YouTube clip of the movie, right? Yes. Like, this when, is what uh, people know of Drinkenstein. When I think of Rhinestone, and I will, I will think of this scene. What is this? Like it. Like when I I told my wife that we were uh, doing this, she's like, "Who's in it?" And I told her who was in it. Like, "Oh, maybe I'll watch that with you." And I showed her this scene, like, nope, I'm not watching that movie with you. Yeah, smart move by your wife. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is, he's dressed just stupidly, and this is probably the best display of Stallone, like, singing and the song quality and his dressing quality all makes sense here. Yeah. yeah th this is the best that he has sung during the entire movie so far. Yeah. And it's awful. It, it, it's more of his, like he actually like I don't even know if he sings, but at least he's not just like at least it resembles a song. It's not just him yelling and banging instruments around. Yeah, it's yeah. So yeah, like if you want to see a, a taste of what you're in for in Rhinestone, uh, Drinkenstein on YouTube. Yeah, he's, he's got that big, like doofy hat that like a um, like a prospector would wear with like big raccoon tails. Two raccoon tails, because one isn't enough to show how country he is, apparently. Yeah, I uh, when when it happened in the movie, I did, I, I did a little recording on my cell phone of him, of the song, and I sent it to my sister, and she goes, do I need to see this movie? Now, <laughs> I guess at the end, I'll let you know whether, yeah. <laughs> of this podcast, whether I need to see, you need to see the movie or not. But, yeah. Like, yeah, it could lead one to, to immediately checking this out, possibly, if they're looking for that but uh so I, dolly tries to show him how to strut oh god and it's, <laughs> it's awful and barnett shows up and yeah Barnett's hashtag gonna, hashtag jock itch yeah <laughs> yeah they keep like going on about like how to walk like you're in the country you have to act like you have jock itch right oh. apparently that's country swagger i guess yeah Bar barnett helps him out and then Barnett and Nick go out drinking again. Yes. And all all Barnett wants to talk about is lewd stuff about Jake. Kind of be like, yo, that's mine. But uh, Barnett then introduces him to his cronies. Yes. Those two guys. And then Jake shows up at the bar and takes Nick away to dance, which uh, Barnett tries to cut in. Nick sells him, no way. Then one of the goons tries to stop their dancing. Paul! It was Paul? <laughs> Yeah, and maybe Stallone's best line of the movie when he comes up and says, Barnett wants to dance, he goes, so dance with him. 
<laughs> yes, actually, I laughed at that, yeah. Might be his best line. So Barnett and Gang, they keep having to regroup because they're like, why isn't this guy letting him dance with her? Like, yeah. it's uh, Barnett and Gang, uh, they go to confront them. And as they leave, Barnett slugs Nick. And then there's no retaliation. Jake talks him out of it, and they just leave. And we get some couple more music lessons, which are... If they tried to film these seriously, holy shit. Yeah. Where he's like, uh, uh, uh. Yeah, did, did you like how they leave the bar and um, Nick is clearly drunk, but yeah. he's the one driving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, then they pull him. Him and uh, Tim Thomerson are like loaded already. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they pull up to the bar with open beers in their hands. <laughs> right. They pre-drank. <laughs> before they went to the cut and slice they they were tailgating before they cut and slice yeah, yes exactly. yes well i want to say one thing which uh i found to be amazing about the movie tim thomerson uh born in coronado raised in hawaii and san diego portraying a deep <laughs> cowboy like it was just <laughs> like it was just so ridiculous for me because I, I i like tim thomerson a lot i've been a fan of his since uncommon valor and so seeing him in all, like you were saying, all the other movies that he's been in. And, and so I knew his biography. So when he showed up in the movie, uh, I was like, wait a minute, what? And this guy is going to teach him how to be country or going to be your country boyfriend? I'm like, this is a fish out of water story. Why, you tell me you couldn't find a southern actor to play a cowboy, for God's <laughs> sakes. So it was just so mind-blowing to me that it was Tim Thomerson teaching him how to be a country guy who is about the farthest thing from country you and can get. He's, so. he's dressed about like what Doc Brown put Marty McFly in. It's like if 70s Steve Martin acted like a cowboy. It's slightly yeah. dialed back from that, but that's about the level that he performs at. <sighs> yeah. And honestly, these are the worst cowboys. Like These are the worst cowboys you can find. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the fact that there's an outfit that what they put him in for Drinkenstein is a legitimate outfit that Richard Farnsworth was trying to give to Stallone. It's just, it's just, it's just so ridiculous throughout the whole movie. Well, like All, his yeah. his outfit was outrageous for a rodeo clown, right? And they were trying to pass it off yes. as you know, <laughs> like an outfit you would wear to perform in. So anyway. uh, after this little montage. I guess training sequence. Sure. Uh, what Stallone does best. Uh, there's the heat gets turned on between Jake and Nick, and it gets cut off by Dad. Right. Talking about stuff, and she leaves, and then we have like a Walton's Good Night sequence, which ends yeah. up having Stallone go, "God, I hate hillbillies." <laughs> All they did was say good night. You were just trying to get in one's pants, so I'm not sure if you hate them too much. <laughs> So, so the big night arrives at the cut and slice, and Jake is sitting there. Get, or she's singing a song while Nick is sitting pacing, obviously in front of the stage. Where I don't know if anyone there was actually watching Dolly Parton, because Stallone is like a distraction over there, right? Like it's yeah, yeah he's not backstage. He's, he's just off of the stage. stage. Yeah. yeah, but she brings him on. And Barnett starts to howl at him, and he gives it right back, and he clowns him pretty good. He does. Likes it. And then we start off this hot country duet with Stallone and Dolly Parton, and it looks 
like I said earlier, that local towny bar karaoke night where someone thinks they're killing it, but mm-hmm. then would watch a video of themselves later and be like, oh, jeez. Because <laughs> Stallone, man, he is... He thinks he's pretty awesome. Like, I have a feeling he thinks he was pretty good singing in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. When when uh, Nick later talks about how much he thinks, uh, how, how good he is, and how he has a real career ahead of him in country singing, I don't think... I think that was just Stallone, like, talking about himself. Yeah. Like, man, I'm pretty good at this. I picked it up. I can do this. I can yeah. do anything. Yeah. They, yeah, so they have this duet. People love it. After the song, Barnett confronts Lit- Nick, and Jake slugs him down. And they go up and sing some more. Well, <laughs> right. And then they have this interaction that's so, it's so interesting. Because, like, Dolly which is what's amazing about about her performance in the film. Her character is actually not a damsel in distress. And, and this is fascinating to watch in the film because Stallone is desperate to turn her into a damsel in distress. Like, for right, his yeah. world to function, she has to be a damsel in distress that he can save and apparently show his manhood, like some caveman. And mm-hmm. when Dolly knocks, him out, knocks uh, Barnett out, he gets upset that Dolly did it. Not that she stood up for herself, not that she punched him out because he he's been like incredibly offensive to her already, both in front of her face and behind her back. No, 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 no. Stallone's character is caught up with the fact that he was the one to get him to get to knock him out. And he says, "You're you're you're messing with my masculinity. You're attacking on my masculinity," which comes up again later in the film. So this is it's just such so such a weird little like I don't know what the point of all of that was like yeah. what they were trying to say because they almost made it seem as if Dolly was wrong for standing up for herself was wrong for punching the guy out when she should have let the man handle it. it right. And there's strange. also earlier they talk about you gonna let your woman talk for you. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. In a movie that just has so so many cliches and just hackneyed things, they had a chance to do something that you know wasn't you know, right. like that. And then it was just like, like, no, no, we should be doing it that way. Right. Like, yeah. come on, rhinestone. Yeah. And I, one thing I, I will give the movie credit for as much as much like, you know, perverted shit and stuff that Dolly Parton's character, you know, has to go through in the movie. They do portray her as pretty thick skin. Not that it's like, okay. Yeah. Like, oh, she can just brush it off. But I like that they portray her as thick skinned and she's not overly bothered by any of it. Right. Yeah. And I like that you know when they have when uh, women are in movies and they're portrayed as tough, they can sometimes like um, like oh well she's a bitch and like uh, no right. she's just she's just independent or whatever and that that never even comes close uh, to that point in Rhinestone. So that is one of the compliments I will say about Rhinestone. Yeah, I wonder if maybe that was like Dolly Parton because Dolly Parton's someone who had to put up with a lot of shit. And yeah, maybe mm-hmm. she's like, I'm not gonna play somebody that's you know like that because she had clout at this time. She was she did megastar. Yeah. So yeah. maybe she got that through. I don't know. Well, she's always been through her history. She's always been one of these artists or female performers who has a story of being kind of under the thumb initially of her husband slash manager, and then, mm-hmm. you know, like, finding her voice very early in her career and fighting through voice, the old boys network, fighting through the kind of misogynistic comments and the offensive comments to achieve her fame. Yeah, where and she so, used to make so, her own decisions, like, for Exactly. Like, yeah. 
Joe, you want to come? Oh, I don't. I don't need to be a part of the company. I'll own the company. Like, yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. So I'm not surprised that she made it clear that she was not going to be some damsel in distress in the movie. Feminist stuff. Pick up rhinestone, right? <laughs> well, I don't know about Feminist all that. Movie but... of 1984. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Say Just that. kidding. <laughs> At home, uh, Nick sings to himself in the mirror, which I, I, I could imagine Stallone doing this stuff while you know on his day off. Working on right. Yeah. Like, I got this yeah. idea. I'm going to sing into the uh, mirror. It's going to be hilarious. So, the dad tries to give him the Drinkenstein outfit, and Nick tells him straight up that it sucks. And uh, the dad's like, Yeah. And then Jake invites Nick into her room, and he gets what every guy in this movie has been trying or dreaming of doing. Right. He plows her. Hey, yes. And all he had to do was not fight. But... Yeah. Yeah. That's all he had to do. Because, like, when things start to heat up, she says, it's about time. And he goes, yeah. what do you mean it's about time? Because yeah, as it... if she's putting it on the table the whole time when she actually hasn't been. So it's fascinating. Because the previous yeah. time they got interrupted, she went in her... she left him. And yeah. then when her room was like, oh, shoot. Yeah, yeah. Like, 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 through the whole movie, I mean, she's, like, showing most of her chest. So she's, I mean, like... It's difficult for him to tell, like, when she's just being herself and when she's trying to be seductive, I guess. The first right. time she leaves him, Stallone's all like, oh, man, it's going to be a long night. Like, why? Just go to bed. <laughs> don't, don't take, like, three minutes, crank it out, go to bed. Like, right. and then when they actually get together, he's like, oh, man, man, all the cold showers have been taken. You mean, I don't have to, like, Jesus, dude. Yeah. Well, when he, he opens... Is she that much of a presence? I've never met Dolly Parton, but geez. <laughs> yeah, people had to think those boobs were... Yeah, like, yeah, Colin, you had it right. Those boobs were intoxicating. I mean, even Johnny Carson, if you watch her on Johnny Carson when she would have guests on Johnny Carson, I mean, it would inevitably be her breast jokes, like constantly. You know, and she also owned them and would make them as well, but... People were, I think intoxicating is the exact right word, man. At this point, at this stage in her career, she was, people wanted to see those boobs at some point in their lives, like naked. People wanted yeah. to see those things. And so, like, the closest you come is these tight clothes. Like, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas is a horrible movie. But people love to watch that movie because <laughs> of Dolly in lingerie. You know, yeah. that's the closest they'll get. So they yeah. love that shit, you know? Yeah. And... <laughs> And you know it's funny. I was looking at you know looking at her figure in this movie. There are women nowadays that are like getting, you know, yeah, plants and removing ribs to have a figure like that. Right. Yeah. Like I wondered how Dolly Parton breathed in this movie because she her clothes, especially like her belt, is so damn tight. Like I I I wouldn't be surprised if Stallone could wrap both of his hands around her waist. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how she can sing in outfits that tight. Outfits that tight, plus with a, a chest like that also weighing her down. Where does the air go? How can she sing? <laughs> She's a scientific anomaly. <laughs> she really is, for so many reasons. Uh, oh. Yeah, that's the thing. I've never, I've never found her uh, attractive. I, I know that she is aesthetically and objectively attractive. <clears throat> I just have never felt that when I've seen her because the boobs are so prevalent that everything mm -hmm. else feels a little boxy in comparison. So for me, it's just not a figure that I gravitate to naturally. But 
I absolutely understand dude's logical obsession with those those huge boobs. They just have a thing about it, you know. Well, so she built her career. I think she's got a part of it, like is her charm too. She's got that country yes. charm that I think yeah. she kind of maybe invented mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I mean, not quite. It's 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 genuine, not like the 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 hee haw type. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Type thing, but it's, it, it's genuine. It's not- it's not like she's shy uh, about them. I mean, we haven't no. seen, you know, the, the, we haven't seen them bare, and that's fine. That's her own choice. Good for her. Right. Great. Right. But she's not shy about uh, uh, presenting them. No. And it, it, I mean, it works for her. I mean, think about it. Like, like I said, every scene in this movie where someone sees her, like, look at those, you know, look at her boobs. And yeah. here, how long have we been talking about it? We yeah, that's, a ourselves. that's a good point. That's a very it's like good it's, point. Yeah. I'm sure you could get fem- three females talking about this movie, and they would end up talking about her boobs. Like it's her boobs it's, are a horcrux. I'm telling you, this <laughs> right. It changes your personality. <laughs> I, I will say, you know, with her too. Like she may not be like you know great actress or whatnot, but she does have like screen presence. She's got just like this yes. presence yes. about her that's just... agreed. It's, it's, her, it's, her, it's her personality and her massive rack. Those yeah. two things combined, <laughs> it's magnetic. <laughs> Speaking and she's of, a great singer. And she's a great yeah. singer. She's yeah. a great singer, yeah. She's yeah, also happens to be talented. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. So, uh, we end up going back to New York, and Nick has a big celebration with his family, and his and he introduces Jake to everyone, and while she's like speaking, his dad smells her hair? Yeah. Yes. Like what the like like deep like he gets in there like he picks her hair up off her shoulder and just runs it under his nose. Like was this guy just like pulled off the street and like you know what being a movie? Yeah. This is the only <laughs> chance I'm gonna have to smell Dolly Parton's hair. Screw it. God, you know he was bragging to people about it. I was behind her the whole time. I smelled <laughs> her hair. I pulled it out. Uh, then we get in the big argument between Nick and Jake when Nick says he can't go back to driving a taxi. He's going to be a big singer. And right. Jake doesn't think so. And he Nick then cites jealousy because he's having masculinity problems. This whole thing. And she calls him a robot or a mud pie. And yeah. she says, screw this. I'm just going to go sleep with Freddy. Screw this whole bet. Yeah. Well, she was trying to break the bet, right? I think. Well, no, no, she's just said, you know what? I I'll just lose this. Thing. Oh, she just she was just conceding at this point. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. Which is something that she knows would piss Nick off. Yeah, cuz this this is where he finds out that that was part of the bet cuz Nick didn't know that up until this point. Right. She says it and then in one of the most amazing acting acting moments of the 20th century, she says, "Oops." Uh totally <laughs> to- I mean totally believably and it's like, it's just so, I mean, the whole fight is so shoehorned into that situation. Right. Hey, yeah. what kind of family throws a massive get-together Italian, like, after only, he's only been gone two weeks. It hasn't been two months. He hasn't been overseas. Like, he's just <laughs> been down in Tennessee, literally on the same coast. Right. You know, and so, same like, they throw, this, they throw this phenomenal, almost wedding-style, you know, reception banquet party, and then... That's where the writers decide to have this, you know, because you've got to have that, like, are they not going to get together now moment? Or right, yeah. It, it, and they the, shoehorn that in there. It's the pre-third act breakup. Yes. What it is. Yeah. Like, like in every romantic comedy that's ever been made, 
ever. Because right. just him performing at the Rhinestone with the possibility of her having to sleep with Freddy if he sucks isn't enough. No, stakes aren't high enough. Because stakes the stakes are, are the same. Enough. Like, it's funny. They have this fight, but the stakes are the same. Like, yeah. he doesn't want her to sleep with him. Yeah. This, yeah. this yeah. whole movie is basically she doesn't want to sleep with this Freddy guy. That's Yeah. It's like, look, we can figure out if I'm going to have a career in country music, like, after midnight. Let me go perform this so you don't have to sleep with, that, you know, that scuzz bucket, and I can get a taxi. At least we'll win, yeah. whatever happens. Right. If I don't need the taxi, we can sell it and make money, because we didn't pay for it in the first place. Exactly. But but Rhinestone does not depend on logic. Yeah. So after, <laughs> after this, uh, Jake plays by herself at a closed rhinestone and now early in the movie we had a brief conversation between jake and a waitress well get this if you're paying attention she comes back she does <laughs> because she, she needs somebody does. to confide in I, I think this may be the only other female speaking role in the entire movie and the, right. the mother nick's mom oh, oh, oh right. yeah I apologize. Nick's mom. Right. but yeah this this woman is only here to convey to, to Nick something he already knew later on. Yeah. And they threw her in the beginning just so she'd seem important later. She, uh, uh, Jake says she's going to go ask Freddy to call the whole thing off. And we go to that night and Nick sits in the wings waiting as somebody gets booed off stage at the Rhinestone. Nick, in the gaudiest outfit ever created. It's still better than Drakenstein. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Well, I, I, I guess you, I guess you do have a point there, but it's like, it's like El- Elvis. I think someone yeah. called him that well, too. Well, if Elvis were to see it, he would say, "Tone it down." It's preposterous. It's got like, like, wait, what would you say? Like at least two foot long tassels, completely covered in rhinestones oh, on yeah. the across, like the arms and the back. It's yeah, it's flashy. Then yes. Jake goes to Freddie's apartment which was previously owned by Austin Powers? Sure. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, that apartment. It was a death, like a rape trap or something. I mean, he locked yes. the doors up. That's absolutely a rape trap. And Yeah, well, the the, fr- the door does say F-U on the front of it. It's not his first name. <laughs> Freddie's name. Uh, the waitress tells Jake about it because she's now important, and Jake... <laughs> because we- Jake needs to get the message somehow. Yeah. Jake takes a horse... To that penthouse and because <laughs> there's a horse in front of the rhinestone that does a rhinestone it's not like there was just a horse walking around <laughs> and to maybe to maybe what's like the second best joke in the movie where he shows up with a horse the guy's like what are you doing he's like going to freddy you going to freddy's and he's like oh okay and the other guy's like hey wait why don't you get him he's like oh he's going to freddy's oh okay so apparently <laughs> that guy brings horses and rhinestone country singers up to his <laughs> Right, he's a sex freak. You want to see my pony show? As soon as he got on that horse, I almost shot the television. <laughs> <laughs> it did show the horse earlier in the movie. Yeah, it, I'm like, it was like, it was like the gun. It was, it was Chekhov's gun for this movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, that's yeah, great. Horse. It was great. Chekhov's horse. Yeah. yeah, Chekhov's horse. So Jake busts in, and they get in this whole tussle about everything. And the bet's not going to stop, and Freddy's like, let's get back to the rhinestone and do this, and then you lose, and you come back here, and then you fuck me. That's pretty much... Yeah. yeah so they run on back to the rhinestone, or they ride the horse back to the rhinestone. 
to the uh, the William Till Overture place because he's on a horse. Yep. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! And, and did you did you also notice on the way back to the rhinestone, uh, the marquee on uh, one of the theaters? The movie playing was "Talk Dirty to Me" Part One. Oh my oh, lord! Part One. Yes, but way it lays the the foundation for the trilogy, the "Talk Dirty to Me" trilogy. Talk. <laughs> oh. Until the, it's not until the second one where you find out who is supposed to be talking dirty. It's it's a lo, it's a slow burn, but it's worth it, I hear. <laughs> it's the foreign parody of that these walls could talk. <laughs> so, Nick takes the stage to booze and a lot of criticism. His jokes don't fall. He starts to play this slow ballady song, and he's bombing. Nick is starting to unz- or Freddie is starting to unzip his pants, but Nick says, "Hey, let's move this a little more upbeat." And then he bump, after bumping the tempo up, he kills. Hey, Everybody loves him. I don't understand how he pumps them up because it's not like he sings better. He's like, oh, I'm with you now. he just says like, uh, let me hear from the ladies. Yeah. Like, okay, let me hear from the, you know, the attractive ladies, the cheap, the cheap arena rock tactics. Yeah. yeah it's like, if I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose my way. Like, okay, this, this was never established to be your way. Like up until you actually started singing, your way was yelling and smacking into things. I almost thought he was gonna rap. I did too. <laughs> I I swear, like like this, oh, I was gonna flip the fuck out if, like, if he was like, like my name is Nick and I'm here to say. I really thought those were gonna come out of his mouth, but thank God they did not. I, th- I thought it was gonna turn into Crush Groove for a moment, but thankfully it didn't. It stayed. It stayed rhinestone. For this performance. Nick was surprised when Jake told him he, she couldn't sing with him. He had to do it alone. But lo and behold, three quarters through the song, he brings her out, and they duet. There you go. Yeah, it seems like they would l- lose the bet if that were to happen. Yeah. But whatever. It's it's almost over. So. And then, yeah, so the song gets over. Freddie continues to show his, uh, his high-quality taste in poor music by offering Nick a contract. Yep. And says, <laughs> yeah. Then Nick Nick realizes, yeah, I suck, and says, "I'll send you a bill for the taxi." And then Freddie has to ask if she's any good, and he says, "Incredible, the best." And then they sing again. And then they sing again, as credits roll. But wait, we do end on a freeze frame. Yeah. Because I was like, you know what? This movie owes me that. It owes me a freeze frame at the end of the performance. Well, you got if your not, wish. I would be editing my own version that has it end like that. <laughs> You're gonna trope or grace the movie. The only thing better would have been if it, if it froze and they put the rhinestone logo on there with the copyright oh, stuff oh, and then faded. That would have been that would have been great. But that's yes. yeah, that's rhinestone. 
like as they were singing, I was almost expecting like a Smokey and the Bandit style, like a gag reel playing over the music. This <laughs> is like a split screen. So it was like, OK, here it comes. Right. Like, oh, no, I guess not. It's just more rhinestone. That's fine. Here comes Dom DeLuise. It's so, his, uh... <laughs> it's so funny how subdued Dolly Parton is during these big, high chemistry sing-alongs where she's just like, I, mm, I'm i just going to, yeah. I can't, I'm not going this big. Sorry, dude. Yeah. There's like one thing big about her. Yes. Just Stallone's just like flailing his arms, jumping. Well, he doesn't know how to perform music. Dolly Parton clearly does. It's it's a it's a depressingly terrible movie. Like it's <laughs> for so many reasons. I mean, for so many, so many reasons. Did um, did either of you notice uh, that the rhinestone itself, that every woman there had similar proportions to Dolly Parton? Did you no. guys notice that? I noticed they all had like tight tops. So were... Well, they all had tight tops, but they also had just like like huge boobs. Like like every like every woman that worked there did, and I, you know, and that was also I mean not distracting, just something I I noticed was like like God, like the uh, the Freddie is just a freaking sleaze bag. Like like yeah. like we like we know that, but like even when he's not on screen doing stuff, he's still a sleaze bag just from the environment that he creates. <laughs> like this bar it, it's like if Russ Meyer owned a country bar that's what this place <laughs> looked like Absolutely. that's a great description <laughs> Budweiser you created a monster and they call him Drinkenstein now it comes time for us as we do it every episode to rate the movie um, as we are called Simon a Cavalcade we try to keep it culty uh, our options are to Stay with your family uh, means you are not going to take the bet. You're going to go fuck Freddy. You're converted, <laughs> which means you're going to go down to Tennessee and give this thing a chance uh, at the cut and slice. And you're drinking the Kool-Aid. You are going to buy a Sylvester Stallone album of country tunes. So, John <laughs> Roca, how do you rate Rhinestone? Well, I don't want to screw Freddy. And I don't, and I don't, I don't want to buy the country tunes. So what was the middle one? Converted. Yeah, I'm converted. I'll accept converted. (laughs) (laughs) Would you, do you think you would watch Rhinestone again? Uh, uh, yeah, I think I would, I think I could watch it again. Like you watch, like, like you, you know, that the car wreck is still there. (laughs) <laughs> After you've gone past it and you've gone to the target and you're driving back the other way and you're like, yeah, it's still a car wreck there. Wow. <laughs> That's basically how I would approach uh, Rhinestone again. Yeah. I mean, I would never sit down to purposely watch it, but I might show it to a friend and be like, let's see how terrible this is. Or or a Stallone completist to be like, you yeah. haven't seen this? You have to sit down and watch this. Yeah. That would be the only circumstances. I can't imagine me ever flipping it on going, eh, why not? I'll just watch this. <laughs> Colin, uh, for <laughs> for Rhinestone, um, well, I'd rather watch this than Joyful Noise. I will say that for Rhinestone. <laughs> uh, but I think uh, I'm going to stay with my family on on this one. With so many of the other things we watch, uh, not great, but at least there's some kind of pride saying I sat through Blood Freak. I, I came up the other side, and I'm a better person for it. 
this, there's not that that feeling. You you really just get the feeling of, like, I had HBO in 1985, (laughs) so I saw Rhinestone. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I stay with my family uh, on this one. What do you, what about you, Brandon? I've got a hard press between staying with my family and converted because uh, yeah, this is an awful movie. There's some, there's some good highlights in it to, to laugh at and be like, Oh my gosh, you got to see this in rhinestone. But man, I, I love Stallone and this movie made me like, not like him too much. Like yeah. I was seeing too much of an ego out of control here and he's, pretty terrible but if i i could watch this again but i need someone who's never seen it before sitting next right. to me that i could we can turn to be like yeah what the fuck right so <laughs> that's about it it's it's long too mm-hmm. it's almost so, two hours it's hour and 51 minutes yeah it's it feels like it yeah it's long so i'm gonna like go into freddy's apartment look around but maybe leave after I see him, after I see him in that robe, because yeah, it's it's a tough call here, because it's it's awful, and then it's also at the same time hilariously awful, and a it's tough. But I'm gonna have to. I'm just stuck between there. I can't. I can't make the call. On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. We'll be discussing 1989's The Punisher, starring Dolph Lundgren and Louis Gossett Jr. Daredevil Season 2 premieres that Friday, and The Punisher will be entering the fold in that series. So why not trace back to his uh, roots? Our episode has come to an end. We thank you for streaming in. I can't wait to be bored watching Dolph Lundgren. John, thank you so much for coming on. It was great great to have you here, and I think it's one of our best episodes yet um where where all can people find you oh yeah uh you can find me on twitter and on instagram at the roca says r-o-c-h-a that's my homage to the rock who's my favorite wrestler mm-hmm. um i host three podcasts currently which is the top 10 show which i spoke about at the beginning of this podcast uh over on the schmozno collider youtube network and i also host uh, cast of Characters, which is about voiceover animation. We, inter- we interview a bunch of people who are successful in voiceover animation uh, over on Geek Nation. And then I host the Far, Far Away podcast currently on Geek Nation. Um, and then on Collider, you can see me on YouTube hosting the Flash recap show and the Walking Dead recap shows on camera. So those are the currently the stuff I'm, I'm working on now. And he had time for us, so that's what we... <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it. I always got time for you, man. I know. And we'll we'll definitely have you back. Maybe we'll do staying alive. I don't know. We'll see. Oh please. If you're good, I, maybe. <laughs> I would love to come back for that one. Because I will You introduced me to that movie, so yeah. <laughs> it'd only be Yeah, talk about a long movie. Or it feels long anyway. There we go. All right. We look forward to next time. But first, stay tuned for the trailer to next week's film. The Punisher, the trailer that actually trails. If society won't punish the guilty, he will.
You see this board here? Every time he kills somebody, I put a red pin in So far, the only thing that I've got to show for it is these little calling cards here and a whole bunch of these. Now, let me tell you something about this Punisher. If he ever shows up within 1,000 yards of me, he'll find out what the word punished really means. He defends the innocent. But if you're guilty, he gives no warning and shows no mercy. What the hell is this? Trouble. Dolph Lundgren, Louis Gossett Jr. Mr. P! Happy hunting! The Punisher. Justice with a vengeance. Thank you for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. You can find more of Cullen's work on the A Touch of Crass podcast, also found on the Creative Zombie Studios Network, and on Twitter at my name is Cullen. You can find my more of my work at whysoblue.com. My Twitter handle is at BTPeters. Our producer is Brad Shoemaker. Podcast edited by Brandon. Theme song, Pink Baby, by Happy Elf, found on the freemusicarchive.org website. The movie in today's discussion is property of its respective studio, and no infringement is intended. Please join us again in two weeks for our next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. It's fascinating to see... It's a great snapshot of where each of those people were in their lives at the time, Stallone and Parton. Because like you were saying, Dolly was coming off, what, nine to five. Mm-hmm. She, was, she was like, she was this crossover sensation with her country music going into the pop mainstream. And especially with Oscar Islands nominated too, right? Yeah, Oscar yeah. nominated, mm-hmm. right. Especially with Islands in the Stream. And so people, this was like the beginning of Dolly vehicles. Because then you'd have, you had, I think Straight Talk was like two years later. And then they put her in Steel Magnolias just a few mm-hmm. years later. Mm-hmm. So she, you know, she's not the best actress. That's absolutely true. What she gets by on is her charm and personality, mm-hmm. and people yeah. just want people just enjoy watching her. And there's nothing wrong with that. For some, I mean, I'm saying as an actor, it sucks to lose out on roles, but we still see that today. Like that's yeah, exactly. There's mm-hmm. still you know, you'll still see that, and and it's okay for certain people because you're just like, no, that's a good energy, and that's all right. You know, Kardashian in a movie, no, absolutely never okay. But like, like, like a Justin yeah. Timberlake, people, yeah. yeah, he's not the world's yeah. finest actor. He's great in supporting roles and stuff, but I mean, like, he's right. highly just a popular personality. And he's right. And they, this is a snapshot of Stallone at his premier swagger, like the top of the pyramid. And this was the beginning of us seeing that he could make terrible movies, you know, <laughs> right? Because I mean, right. yeah, I mean, we're just coming off first blood and then he i think cobra's a little bit later and then he goes Co- on this cobra's streak. the next year yeah yeah cobra's the next year and so he goes on this streak of terrible movies 
that that some of them work like uh, uh, lockout. I like lockout, but it's it's a vehicle. I mean, he becomes mm-hmm. essentially almost like a Van Damme. These films are vehicles for him because he's trying to find that that franchise again. Well, yeah, uh, he starts wearing himself out like through yes. the '80s until Cliffhanger brings him back. Right. And the funny thing about Cliffhanger, if you notice, because you guys mentioned the the credit in the in the uh, for the film for Rhinestone, it says based on a song. If you watch Cliffhanger, the opening credits say based on a concept. So there's no. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna tell you, go back and watch the movie opening credits, and I remember that immediately. I was like, oh shit, we're in for a shit show. As soon as I saw that, I am not a fan of Cliffhanger. I love the beginning, mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. Everything else is terrible. But like, as soon as I saw based on a concept. Or something like based on an idea, something like that. I just was like, "This is this is the game's over. I'm done here. This is going to be terrible." And well, I was sure not disappointed. The opening scene was probably the concept for. The, <laughs> I'm sure that's yeah, what it is. No, that's the only. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's the only part that's any damn good. The rest of it's just. I don't mind. I'm a Rennie Harlan apologist, so oh, there's really? a lot of stuff oh, I okay. like on on Cliffhanger. I like Rooker and Lithgow and stuff, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not my favorite Harlan, but yeah, that I mean that was a huge film. I mean, they got a video game. It, yeah, yeah. It got slow through the nineties. That and Demolition Man got him through the through the nineties. Right, right, right. Well, Batman and good... Robin was also a very successful movie. That doesn't make it right. Well, no, I'm not saying that, but that'll get him. <laughs> but that'll that'll get him in movies for you know headlining movies for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Those Transformer movies, those are terrible movies. Oh yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's just a it's a it was so fascinating to go back and watch it for the first time through this prism now that I didn't watch it when it came out because the reviews were terrible. So to yeah. watch it now all these years later and to see that he's not he's going to be nominated for an, I mean he's nominated for an Oscar this Sunday. It's just it was just such a fantastic experience for me to go and see like wow just just what was he thinking like exactly what was he thinking? Yeah. You know? I, I just yeah when this was a movie I you know would see at the rental store and I just look at that box and be like yeah no. No, as much of a Stallone fan as I am, I just like I just look at it and be like, yeah, that that it just you're just like, no. Yeah. Like, I did not hear about Rhinestone until probably a few months ago. Like, wait a minute, what? Stallone and oh. Dolly Parton? Oh, yeah. Like, I gotta see I this. I just remember that poster, just them arm wrestling, and I'm like, yeah. oh, this has got to be terrible. But like, some their arm, what? Yeah, the, yeah, the, the poster is the poster? them arm oh, wrestling, yeah. and yeah. he's got so this he... look on his face like, huh? Like, it looks like every like '80s pair-up movie poster ever. But Did the, po- the poster to over-the-top feature arm wrestling or nope, not? It's just him throwing his fist out. So yeah. the movie about arm wrestling didn't have arm wrestling in it, and a movie with zero arm wrestling in it had it on the poster. <laughs> I just want to make sure that's right. I mean, like Do- Dolly Parton, Burt Reynolds, Best Little Horror House in Texas. Okay, that makes sense, right? Yeah, right. Sure. Dolly Parton and Stallone. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Were there a couple people they wanted first, and <laughs> they just settled on them? I'm sure that I'm not Dolly... dog and Stallone here, but this is just a pairing that. Yeah. I mean, I'm it... sure that Dolly Parton was always going to be a part of this because it's very country, and she's it feels you know, like ar- arguably the certainly the largest female country singer at this time. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. No, but yeah. they just needed like another like well-known male actor right. that would He's fit into New York. Built it around her and then plug someone else in. Yeah, and but, like if it wasn't going to be him, they get James Con. I don't know. They just figure it out. <laughs> James Con. <laughs> this is a whole nother different movie. You guys yeah, <laughs> just as bad. 
But <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You want me to? You, you want to do what now? You want me to do what now? Like it would yeah, just I'm be all of that. I'm, I'm not doing. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, yeah. It would just be all of that. Right? Yeah. The whole film would just be him, like defiantly being against everything he's trying to do, and then, sure? or she's trying to do, and then suddenly, like you know, doing these weird little jabs that are sexual. It would just be that the whole time. And his shirt would be wide open. Yeah, with it. With that tuft of hair that he has on his chest, that's uncomfortable tuft. You know what? It's it's funny. I think I'm trying to think of like other action stars of this era that they could have plugged in if that's what they were going for on this. Oh and yeah. Chuck, Chuck Norris would fit this better than oh, Stallone. Like, I, can, I can see this working better with. I mean, still a crappy movie, but I can yeah. see Norris. I could bank on him. Yeah. Maybe thank not as the cab driver, but right. Thank God Bruce Willis wasn't in this movie. Oh, because, good call. Be, because he needs as few people as possible making him sing and perform music. Yes. There doesn't need to be a whole movie featuring him performing music. <laughs> You're like, what if I put what if I put a blues riff in there? Uh, like, Can I Bruno, Bruno this up? Like, Bruno, what are you talking about? I'd like you to not Bruno anything up ever again. <laughs> <laughs> But it's weird. The '80s are this, is, and this is funny. You guys bring this because how you guys are like what in your early 30s? Am I right Mid-30s. on that? 30s, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So you guys like you guys have an idea of the '80s, but like I was a teenager. Yes. You know, I was well. Yeah, I was a teenager. So to me, I could go to these films by myself. I could go to these things by myself, and like I remember the culture of the eighties at that time, it was like what people say about the excess. It was, but it was also about pushing boundaries. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And so you saw some incredibly insane stuff in the movies, like just so like balls out nuts, nuts. Right. Stuff. That's what I like about the eighties cinema is like, nobody yeah. was afraid to fail. Like they no, threw no. shit at a wall. Yeah, like yeah. they were all on Coke. They yeah. Were high on coke. If you look at like horror funny. films, horror films of the eighties take really bizarre directions sometimes. Yeah. So it's like you went what? It makes yeah. it it makes it highly entertaining, and it's the decade of like movies where you can't really predict where things are going. It's, yeah. I mean, like, even their concepts that they take, mm-hmm. just trying shit. Like, like if it wasn't yeah. for the eighties, like we wouldn't have trauma. Like they did stuff in the seventies, yeah. but it was really the eighties where it really took off. And it, I don't know, I don't know if I want to say it was important. But that when you think of trauma, like you tend to think of those things that came in the eighties. Well, you go right. straight to video market, which started in the mid eighties, sort of. And they they were like, well, we got to do something to set us apart from the theatrical stuff to sell our stuff, and uh, we're gonna go even crazier. Yeah, yeah, it, it, like it wasn't like like exploitation, but it was like a. a, 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 a similar feel in that, like we got to do something to get eyes on this. Yeah. Yeah. And we were experiencing like sci-fi and space. And so like nothing was out of bounds. So the idea that you could have a star vehicle where someone like Sylvester Stallone could think he could play country music. And the thing is the articles at the time, people were making fun of this before the film came out, the stupidity of the concept that Mm -hmm. he would. So it wasn't like everyone was like, everyone was in mass on board with this idea that Stallone could sing country. Uh, and so to, to, to see that the film was as terrible as people thought it was going to be, just let you know, let you know, like wh- how how um, stubborn and how determined Stallone was to do this, you know. And it he has the he has this tendency. He can be a very stubborn actor, very stubborn. Like uh, Oscar is in essence 
His, he, his last final attempt at comedy. Like, there was Oscar, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, and there's this. Like, he Ugh. is so desperate to do comedy, yet he is almost terrible at it. Uh, or you could say he's terrible at it. Where he finds his comedy are the light moments in his dramatic films. Right. And that's uh-huh. what's so interesting. He cannot do broad comedy because his tendency is to go super broad. And that's not interesting. You know what? You mentioned those movies. It just makes me think that I think this is probably his best comedy. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. He you just... could, I think you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I, I think I laughed like three times in it. Yeah, it's more than you can say of "Stop or My Mom Will Shoot." That's like seven more yeah. times than "Stop or My Mom Will Shoot." <laughs> right. That's right. There were right. negative laughs actually. <laughs> yeah, but it's it, but anyway, yeah. So there you go. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> the, lun- the lunacy of the eighties, man. <laughs> That's why a lot of our, our our movies we talk about come from the eighties. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, Toxic Avenger was in the 80s. It's brilliant stuff. Yeah. It's brilliant stuff. So You just can't do now at all. No. Like, no one... No. <laughs> how, many times they try to, how many times have they tried to remake the Toxic Avenger? They can't... Yeah. They, can, yeah. they can't seem to figure it out for some reason. Or Swamp Thing. Swamp, yeah. yeah. Which mm-hmm. I, I loved Swamp Thing in the 80s, and I wish they would... It's, in my opinion, it's Barbeau's best work. I, I wish they would do more of that kind of stuff uh, or try to do more of that kind of stuff because we're so serious now with our cinema. You know, we need those crazy type of things to kind of help us enjoy stuff, you know? Yeah. There's like a fondness for all the crazy stuff now. (laughs) Yeah. We, we don't, everybody takes it so seriously and everybody, we don't have, it's unacceptable to make a B plus film anymore. You either make an A or you're terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no room for okay, decent, average, solid, those are goes with sucks now. It's it's really, yeah, yeah. I don't like there's, the state we're in. I, yeah, I, there's no room for zombievers, you know. Yes. <laughs> but look, I mean, look at Deadpool. Deadpool. I know. I know. We're, we're drawing. Sorry, I don't want to draw on this podcast. We have limited time. Like, like Deadpool to me is the expression that people have been waiting, like the vehicle for people to express their desire for lunacy. Right. And Deadpool yeah. completely fits within the Swamp Thing, Toxic Avenger type of world. And by that, I mean it takes the genre and turns it on its head and makes you come to it. It is not changing what it is. You've got to come right. accept it. Yeah. And if you don't want to accept it, then you're, it's your loss. It's not their loss. It's your loss. And I love that about Deadpool. Yeah. When Whenever I hear, like, oh, they took a big gamble at this, I thought, like, am I the only one that didn't think that this was – like not not going to be a surefire hit. Like how could yeah. I, I don't? It just, just boggles my mind how people could think that like eh, it'll do okay. Like no, this will fucking be huge. It was yeah. God, was, as long as they get the character right, and boy howdy, did they ever? Yeah, it's like this is going to be great. It's going to be huge. Yeah, because there's a market for it now. Like people, yeah. The for, from the first trailer, you could tell people were like so dialed into this thing. I wasn't the yeah. biggest fan of the first trailer. I think the trailers got better as the process went yeah. along. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, like you just said, Colin, absolutely. Who, who didn't think this thing was going to be huge? You know? So, yeah. It was, well, it was just I, that. It was marketed like everybody. You knew who Deadpool was. Like, yeah. That's the thing. But I mean, even the like, B-lister characters aren't. So I mean, if Guardians of the Galaxy could make money. 
Yeah. Off of, I mean, that was straight D-list stuff. Everybody, people know who these people are. They just trust going to these movies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like any other movie that you would go to before comic book movies were being made. Like, you didn't know who the characters were. You would just go, and the movie would tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I agree. And <laughs> hopefully they just make movies crazy and just don't try to... Hopefully good lessons get learned from Deadpool and not... Yeah. 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 I, I, like, I have I think I may have seen more articles about, oh, no, I hope Hollywood doesn't get the wrong idea... I think yeah. I've seen more articles about that than saying that Deadpool's a good movie. Right. And it's like, yeah, I I understand the concern, but can't we just be happy? Yeah. Can't we just be glad that this thing yeah. got made? No. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, the and walking into this world, as much as I've walked into it since last March, doing all these podcasts, being, you know, working with the Screen Junkies, working with uh, Collider and Schmo, like you get exposed to the to culture, like the nerd culture, the geek culture, the superhero culture. And everyone, it everyone is always feels like it's it, we're one well, one box office dud from completely disappearing as a culture uh, in the movie in the movie business. And I, I I don't agree with that. Like it's 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 we should be able to suffer mistakes and what have you. It's a strong enough genre now financially that uh, an occasional mistake like Green Lantern can be looked over and Fantastic Four. Yeah, Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those kinds of things. Like we can suffer those losses and keep going, but people write those articles because they're all like they're so precious about everything that they're afraid, you know, anything could turn this on its head and then destroy the genre completely. Well, it's and, wait, yeah, and, like, yeah, Avengers: Age of Ultron made like it didn't make as much opening weekend no. as the first one by like ten million dollars to be the second highest opening yeah. weekend ever yeah. at the time. Oh, yeah. and that's where superhero fatigue came from. It's like no, it come on. <laughs> Right. That's a very good and it only made a billion and something. It was a fail. I'm like Jesus. <laughs> I remember when it, like a hundred million used to be a thing. Like, oh my gosh, it made a hundred million dollars. Now that's yeah. a failure. Yeah, yeah. It underperforms. Yeah. It's it's insane. Like, yeah, the superhero film. Like, they made bad westerns back in the day, but that was the dominant genre for like thirty years. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It, there, I mean, bad movies will be bad movies, genre or not genre. It's well, it's just like what I said earlier. Like, can't we just be happy? Like, you know, I've waited, yeah. you know, a significant amount of my life for there to be good comic book movies, and now there's so many of them. It's just like, th like thank you. Like, I'm finally getting what I want. I'm just so happy about it. Well, that's why. Yeah, like we get them made most for most part competently by good filmmakers mm -hmm. and people that care. Mm -hmm. And it's like people for like I try to find appreciation and see what each one's trying to do rather than like people knocking them. I'm like, do you remember the day back in the day where I never, ever thought I would see a, you know, Thor movie. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I had to like accept that adventures and babysitting might be it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. It's like, you guys, yeah. it's, it's people don't realize like we got, you know, when Batman came out, we didn't get, Spider-Man and Captain America and Superman. Yeah. We got the Shadow and the Phantom. Oh yeah, yeah. see, like yeah. they thought we wanted old noir style, you know, comic book characters to come back, and and Oof. yeah, those are terrible movies, man. <laughs> Damn right. I have a soft, spot. I have soft spots for him, but I think Dick Tracy's okay. But uh, oh no, Dick Tracy is okay. Yes, but I'm talking the Shadow and the oh, Phantom. Yeah. Oof. Those are terrible. Yeah. yeah, the Phantom was yeah really bad. Shadow, Shadow, yeah. I was yeah. a kid when I saw it. 
back in the day, so I was in two. I just kept wondering, I was like, is that really Billy Baldwin? When it's the actual shadow? <laughs> the actual shadow looked more like Billy Baldwin. Yeah, yeah, than Alec Baldwin. I love that, yeah. Uh, it was no Dark Man, but... Oh. Damn, I remember seeing that movie, man. This is why I'm in this business, man. It's why I enjoy talking films. Because, oh, yeah. like... Like, I would hunt out those small ones that were showing in one theater in my small town of Virginia, way in the backwoods, you know, because some theater owner decided to take a chance to make his theater the theater to show those kinds of films. And Dark Man was one of those things. And I, I remember seeing Dark Man going, this is this is insanely beautiful and changes everything, you know. And uh, I really felt it had a lot to do with the change in the culture of of what you could do with these smaller titles, you know. Yeah, essentially, Deadpool reminded me of Darkman a bit. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hopefully, uh, Deadpool 2 will be better than Die, Darkman, Die. <laughs> <laughs> yes, agreed. <laughs> there you go. And, and anybody has anything else to say about Rhinestone? <laughs> no, I, I think, yeah, no, I think we've... All right. I, think, I, mean, I, I don't want to. I was speaking as guest. I, I'm done with it. Guys, I, I certainly I, keep talking. I think that we've said more than has ever been said about Rhinestone, and that includes by the people who made it. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs>